Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right. What a week. What a week. What a week it has been. It has been an emotional week, man. We had National Overdose Awareness this week. And boy, that was, it was so cool. It, I mean, it's always, every time I go to those events, so it's, it's always very, very emotional. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, but hey, it kicked off the, the month of September. We are in recovery month. September is recovery month, which is super important because it, it helps combat the, the stigma of addiction, right? It's a yearly reminder, a whole month long that this thing's a mental health disease. It's not a moral defect, anything like that. So yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Okay, so today on We Do Recover, a podcast about recovery from addiction, we have Kyle Payne here, and Kyle Payne is going to talk to us about Utah, the state of Utah's third party notification system, and I'm super excited to get to that. He's also going to share a little bit of his story. We will get to the third party notification system a little later in the episode. Yeah, this podcast is recorded in Southern Utah. Part one is brought to you by. Dude, you said it crazy. wrong. You said it wrong. This podcast was recorded in sunny St. George, Thank Utah. Thank you. There we go. There we go. going to have to edit that out. Absolutely. My bad. So episode part one is brought... Wow. Episode 50 part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. If your loved one needs help, give them a call. Reach out. Their phone number is 801-800-8142. They have amazing people. And hey, they're waiting for your phone call. There's no better time like right now. Right? Right. Give them a phone call. 801-800-8142. They have people waiting to help out. So let's do some check-ins. Kyle, you've been patiently waiting while I ramble for like five minutes here about some nonsense. What is new and good in your world, dude? What's going on? You're down here in, in St. George. Talk to me, man. Man, uh, best thing right now is that I'm down here in St. George. I'm down here with my four daughters. Uh, we are spending, we parlayed this uh this uh, podcast opportunity um, into a little mini vacation, and we've just been enjoying the sun, the pool, and hanging out. And so that has been huge. Little me. little Labor Day vacay, little huh? Labor Day vacay. Yeah, <laughs> love I know, it. I don't know how much of a vacay it is when you're, you know, running with four little daughters, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, I might need a vacation from the vacation. But hey, yeah, man, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Those kids, you know. Oh, they're it's, the best. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how much you love them and you appreciate them until they're gone yeah. or they grow up. I can speak right? to that a little bit uh, either now or a little bit later into uh, this podcast. Ooh, I love it. I, we will yeah. get to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Sean Denovan, check in, buddy. What's going on with you? It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week, man. I don't know what's going on. It's just been, it's just so much and it's Friday and I'm already behind. Yeah. I'm already behind for next week. <laughs> That is, yeah, that's crazy. And right before, we're a couple minutes late because right before literally a stand broke. Now, that would have been awesome if it would have broke right in the middle of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, He's just holding the the metal and the rod going, what do I do now? Yeah, so we're getting some new mic stands and uh, these ones, uh, they've seen their life. I would have been like, yes, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like that that would have been awesome. Hey though, but we've come a long ways. When we first started, we had a stand with some weights on it. And I always thought that was cool because I could like work out while I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> oh wait, I didn't. I never did that, but it was kind of. Oh no, cool. the mics were so heavy they needed the weights. That's what it was. Yes. What it was. And I was like, how do I do? That? I'm like, okay, well, the second this. So this is like mic stand 2.0, and they're all drilled into the into the uh, desk there. But if you notice, there's like some weak points on the bar. So if you move the mic around, snap. Yeah, you love that, don't you? When you start moving stuff around on me, oh yeah, it's great, <laughs> awesome. So we have mic stand 3.0. That's probably going to go in this weekend, and hopefully by next Friday you'll have all new mic stands. Ooh. So even though it's been a long week for you, there's some people that I want to mention because my heart goes out to them. So you remember our guest from last week, episode 49, mm-hmm. Melissa Mitchell? Did you know that today she's at Utah Valley Hospital on a ventilator from COVID? Ooh. Yes. Tragic, right? Yikes. Oh, man. And then Aaron Navarro, a, a guy in, in the community, he's also got hit with the COVID and, and the hospital thing and, and been on a ventilator. Oh, man. Devin Koja. So I just wanted to, you know, 
just a reminder that, man, health is such a blessing. And my heart goes out to those guys. Send thoughts and prayers to those guys. Whew. On a happier note, my new and good is, have you ever had like just like just a God experience? Like something you're like, that was just a God thing, you yeah. know, like a, like a step three, higher power, just something you can't, it just comes together like crazy cool. Yeah. So that's my new and good for the week. So I saw on Facebook, Amy Gonzalez has a unity house and and so I messaged her and, and she wanted to get the yard cleaned up and, you know, for the kids, there's people, it's a, a women's sober living house and some of those women have kids and, and they live there. And so she wanted to get it cleaned up and I've gotten a lot of love on Facebook and I don't know why I get awkward. Like when people give me credit for stuff, I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I, I just wanted to, right. So we took a group of dudes over from steps and, and get this, here's the God thing, right? I'm getting to it. So we show up with like two shovels in like a one metal rake, like basically nothing and a lot enough for 400 or 1400 square feet of sod to cover big yard weeds everywhere. And I'm like, Oh boy. Right. The neighbor is like, Hey, you guys cleaning up the yard? We're like, yeah. He's like, Hey, I know somebody on this block that's got a bobcat. You want me to come drag it? Uh, yeah. That would be fantastic, right? So I'm over there thinking this is going to take us all day long. And this dude comes from out of nowhere with a bobcat, volunteering to drag it. So all we got to do is pull the weeds out. You know, we level it as best we can. And then even crazier, so I know they wanted to do the sod. I reached out to, to Rock and Dirt Works. And I just said, hey, if you guys have any extra sod, right? Like if you do a lawn and there's some extra sod, we'd love to piece this thing together. And they, they reached back and were like, how much do you need? And I'm like, well, you know, we'd love to take, and they're like, well, how, how much do you need again? And I'm like 1400 square feet. And they're like, cool. We'll donate it. Let us know where and when. Hmm. Wow. Yep. Right. I mean, you're talking a lot of money for some sod there. So that's just, yeah, man. And then sprinkler works has donated the sprinkler system. It's just a beautiful thing. Like, again, it's something that it was effortless. It's just a God thing, man. Yeah. It's my new and good. You just showed up and then. Yeah. Everything else was able to fall into place. And that's a great reminder that if you, if you just turn, turn your will over to God, right. And say, okay, I'm going to start putting in the effort. The rest of it's up to you, which we're going to talk about step three. You know, I got a, a buddy of mine that, uh, that I, I knew all the way back from junior high, Brandon Stallworth, that's going to come on. He's going to talk about step three, but we're going to kind of touch on it. And that's the 17th coming up in a couple weeks, but it's just cool. Have you ever had a God moment? Well, I mean, just going back to that, like, um, when I first stepped into recovery and started going to the started going to the um, group meetings, they just kept saying, "Look, just show up, show up." You know, eighty percent of the of recovery is getting your butt in the chair, right, and yeah. just showing up. And you know, being impatient and the addict I was, I was like, "No, I want instant results right now, right? Like, I want to." But that has been a constant reminder, and it has been something that has shown up in my life not just in recovery, but also with my kids, right? Just show up. It might not be ideal of like where you're at right now, but just show up when you are supposed to show up and things fall into place. And that's that's been the biggest God moments for me is that principle of just showing up. That's amazing, bro. That That's truly amazing. When you started talking about wanting, you know, instant gratification, all I heard was a J.G. Wentworth commercial. <laughs> I want my money and I want it now. That, but you yep. turned it into such a, a beautiful thing uh, outside of the JG Wentworth commercial. There you go. Cause that's society nowadays, right? We yeah. all want what we want. And we want it now. now. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Cool. Well, so, all right, well, let's get, uh, let's get rocking and rolling. Let's do we have any comments? Sweet. No, we're getting warmed up though. Hopefully they get on there. So Kyle Payne, thank you so much for coming down here. Dude, we're hitting 50 episodes. I, I, I'm just grateful that you made the effort to come down. Talk to me a little bit about what do you know about the disease of addiction? Okay. Yeah, I mean, 50 episodes, that's huge. That's a big milestone, right? Like that's... You're the milestone. This is your episode, dude. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm the milestone, but I appreciate, <laughs> the, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to get on and uh, to get connected with, you know, the program and, and um, be a part of what you're doing. As far as what do I know about the addiction of disease is I know that I know that it is a progressive um, disease and that it will 
I want to just make sure I gather my thoughts here. Um, it will progress if you are not putting in the work, if you're not showing up and if you're not doing the things like we talk about that we um, have discussed, you know, those basic things in early recovery still apply in later recovery, right? And so this, uh, this disease is just one of those things that needs a light, a lantern lit on it consistently, right? And not just a flashlight that you, um, that you turn off and on. Yeah, we're talking a floodlight, right, bro? We're talking a floodlight. We're talking a a lantern that is lit up uh, and that you're just going into those dark, those dark shadow areas, right? Where nobody wants to go and nobody wants to look at, nobody wants to talk to and just getting some light in there. So talk to me about the shadow moments in your life, man. Like what led you into, to your addiction? Well, I mean, I think I, the, the whole, I don't know if you can ever pinpoint it to one thing, right? It's everybody, when we grow up, we grow up with a, with a platform, whatever that platform is that our parents um, give us, their parents gave them, right? We grow up with this platform. Yeah, yeah, they're conditioning. Yeah, yeah they're right? conditioning. Of how we are going to operate into the world. And uh, sometimes those platforms have some negatives as well, right? And so you can go back and you can, you can begin to piece together and you can begin to describe and explain um, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, but basically what happened to me was I came face to face with life experiences that I simply just did not have the tools to work through. Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. So, so my thing is, uh, I can identify exactly or pinpoint exactly what it was. It was loss, Mm -hmm. right? It was the loss of my dad, loss of my brother being asked for a divorce. Like the, just the, the things that were going on in life and exactly what, what you're talking about. I didn't have the coping skills. My coping skill was Oxycontin and heroin, unfortunately. And that, uh, you know, (laughs) It worked for a while until it didn't work. Yeah. Going, yeah. Kind of going back to what I like the disease of addiction. Uh, for me, it boils down to the inability to appropriately deal with grief, right? A Mm. grief processing disease, um, and not really understanding how to work through that grief and getting stuck in that anger or denial or whatever else, you know, sadness. And when you're stuck in that grief, all of a sudden you get presented with a coping method or with something that takes that away for four to six hours, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this works. And then you just progressively continue to do that. And it's a short-term solution for a long-term, a long-term problem. Absolutely, man, absolutely. So share as much or as little as you want. Okay. What did some of those losses and and that grief cycle look like for you specifically, Kyle? Yeah, for me specifically. So 2016, um, I lost 50% of my hearing overnight. I got a, I got a double ear infection and I woke up the next day and it was gone. And just like that, just, yep. Just like that. And so for the next six months, I was doing everything to try to regain it. I was um, on high dose, uh, steroid, uh, prescriptions. I've got injections into my eardrums, Oof. just all sorts of stuff. But when, when, how you, how you, um, uh, interpret the world, right. When all yeah. of a sudden that changes overnight, uh, with any kind of senses, um, or with the loss of a, uh, a dad, right. Or right. being asked for a divorce, you know, all of a sudden, like, it's like, Ooh, this is chaotic, right? And that's the best word I can describe is it got chaotic. Um, all of a sudden things I used to hear and I could just couldn't hear anymore. And so it put me into this depressive type mindset, right? And, yeah, yeah. and I was struggling. Uh, and then in February, 2017, so six months later, I was playing basketball and I dove for a uh, loose ball, hurt my back went into the doctor's office and he gave me a prescription for uh, hydrocodone. And I had taken, I had taken hey, stuff that's where before. It starts, right? man. Yep, I, had, yep. I had taken, I had taken stuff before prior to my hearing loss uh, and it never affected me emotionally or mentally the way 
that it did in 2017. Yeah, because you you didn't before you didn't have that void or that gap in your life. Yeah, and exactly. That, I totally can relate because I had ankle surgeries, shoulder surgeries, right? And and until I had some kind of emotional void in my life, I never really fell victim to it. Like the whole hooks, yeah. if you will, never really got into me. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it was pretty similar to no, you. Yeah, very similar. And, and and it's just a matter of like, I was in this grief process of losing my hearing, trying to figure out how to operate in the world um, with this new disability, right? Yeah. And I hate that word, by the way. I get it. Yeah, yep, I yeah, get it. But, but it, I, hey, that's what we call it, yeah, right? It is. So. Yeah, it is. Um, and all of a sudden I get prescribed this medication and it took, it took the, um, how do I, how, how do I explain it? It took it. Everything was just in the front of my brain, just chaotic, stressful, paranoia, trying to figure out what was going on. And it silenced it for four mm. to six hours. It silenced it and I moved it into the back of my brain. And all of a sudden I was able to feel like I was more present with my kids, right? And I was back to quote unquote normal before my hearing loss. Which makes total sense because the body's always trying to achieve homeostasis. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And so when you lose 50%, I could only imagine when you lose 50% of your hearing, like the body is trying to make sense of the brain is trying to make sense of like, what's going on here. Yep. That's a sensory thing. dude. Yep. Like that's a big deal. No way big deal. And so you're constantly every waking moment, your brain is searching like, Hey, what's going on here. Right. And you're, it, it puts you in a constant chaotic place. Yeah. No, so I, I get it. And then introduce the hydrocodone and it's like, <sighs> oh, wait a second. I get them. I get a break here for a minute. Right, yeah. right, and I and, and it's unfortunate that it does that. Yeah, and and, and I think it's like an evolutionary um, process, right? When our ancestors were back on the safari and they were getting chased by a lion, right? <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you come face to face with a lion, and you're like, okay, I'm in fight or flight mode, um, and you stop, you just start booking it, and when you're booking it and you're trying to get away from a lion, uh, you're not able to take in the beauty of the sunset, right? Or yeah. the surroundings or anything else. Great point, All you're dude. focused on is if this lion's going to eat you. Yeah. And that was the state of mind I was in. And when I took the hydrocodone, all of a sudden it put the lion to sleep. Right. Yeah, man, that analogy is, that's amazing, bro. Like explaining it like that makes total sense in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. And can I ask, and maybe I if, you're, if you're not comfortable, that's okay, but I could just, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, Kyle. And the one thing that keeps going through my head is like, what would happen if I lost the other oh. 50%? Right. Dude, you talk about a fear. Yeah. Bro, I can't even, I can't even imagine that. Like, exactly. And that's the, and that's what, what I would go to bed at night. And even though I, logically and rationally mm -hmm. um, could talk myself out of it, uh, of, out of that fear, that fear was still present. And it was still subconsciously in the back of my mind because it happened once, right? It happened once before <laughs> where all of a sudden it was gone. So no explanation why. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, well, the, 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 the double ear infection. Right. Um, but other than that, it was, yeah, definitely had that fear. That's crazy. Just going to bed every night. So anyways, I, I went to the doctor and, uh, I asked for a refill and he's like, yeah, let's get you a refill. Uh, but we need to get you an MRI on your back. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, we, uh, applied for, or I applied for the, uh, the pre-approval for the MRI. My insurance at that time, uh, declined it. And so when they declined the pre-approval, uh, in the, in the small writing, you can't reapply for that same procedure for the next 90 days. Freaking insurance companies, man. Don't, don't yep. even get me started. So, so with my doctor, he's like, look, we tried it. Uh, and for me, like I, even at that time, the probably the first time I took the tablets, I knew like I was going to use those to self-medicate. Mm. So um, you already kind of, yep. I was, it was, yeah. I was already going down that Got path. It. The train right? had already started. Yep. I was going momentum. down that path. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, now 90 days, I get 90 days free of prescriptions. Um, because I tried, I tried to do the MRI 
right? Uh, I got it's a clients. broken thought, but the thought is game <laughs> on. Exactly. I mean, it's a totally broken exactly. thought, but, but I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I've been there. The, the thought is game on. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and in my mind, I would delude myself, and I would, uh, I would trick myself into being like, okay, well, in 90 days, I will, you know, the, I'll eventually have to get the MRI. They're going to realize there's nothing wrong with my back, and then that's the end of this game. Um, and so I would just tell myself, like, it's a short term. Like, I'm just doing sure. this short term. Right? Let's just rationalize it, brain. Rationalize Absolutely. It, right? Makes sense. Send uh, it. Anyways, that MRI uh, decl- declination happened three more times that year. Oh, <laughs> and so man. and so by the end of... Two- In the meantime, they're just writing scripts. Yep. Uh, yeah, I would just I would just call and I would go and pick up the uh, prescription at the uh, start of each month. Uh and that happened, so that was 2017. At the end of 2017, my doctor and I were just on a phone call type relationship, yeah. right? Hey, how yeah. you doing? Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, your prescription will be ready, uh, you know, at Go. the start of the month. Yeah, come pick it up at the office Go or pick whatever. It up. Yeah. Yep. For me, what happened uh, where I switched from, uh, I called a controlled addiction, right? Which is a kind of an oxymoron. Um, in and of itself. (laughs) I don't disagree, bro. I don't disagree. (laughs) But I would structure it out. I would structure out my use around social events because that's what gave me the most anxiety with my hearing. Um, Places where I would have to follow conversations with multiple people just spiked my anxiety. And so I would- Because you want to make sure that you understand and you want to make sure you're involved and you want to be a part of. Yep. Exactly. And so I'd structure it around my use around those social events. Um, and then in March of 2018, my sister passed away in a car crash and she had had issues with, um, addiction in her life. She was battling, um, some things as well. Uh, but as I've gone through my work and my recovery, I've pinpointed like that was, that was the experience in the time where, I crossed over from that controlled addiction mm-hmm. to the compulsive. The tipping addiction. point. Yep. That was your tipping point. That was the tipping point. So that prescription that I'd get at the start of each month, uh, where it would usually last me throughout the month as I would have it structured out, it started to be gone 10 to 12 days um, in a sure. month. So you'd have to early refill. Uh, yeah. The wide try, but uh, a lot of times they wouldn't let me. And so I'd just go two weeks without and then get their prescription. So I'd, I'd be on a roller coaster yep. a bit. Yeah. The powerlessness had set in. It had set powerlessness in. to control your use. Yep. It yep. had set in. And, uh, the interesting thing is, is, is logically I knew what was happening. Um, and so I sought a, sought out a, a therapist and in June of 2018. And I was like, look, this is my issue. And I need to bring my family in. Like my wife, she had no idea about it. Um, I need to bring her in on it. And I need to be able to, you know, just, uh, I'm, I'm here to get that emotional support to be able to do that because I know this is going to break her heart and all that stuff. Yeah, you wanted to build advocacy, right? And support. Exactly. And so exactly. I, I'm sure at that point you were a little freaked out. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went with him, went saw him for about four weeks. He helped me to reduce my, my use from 90 tablets to 60 tablets, um, a month. Uh, and then I told my, I told my wife and, uh, honestly, I was not emotionally prepared for, um, how hurt and how much fear it, it put into her. And so, uh, not being ready for that, I just went back to my coping, but I just hit it deeper. I hid the secret deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it right. That like, that's, that makes total sense, yep. especially not only that, but you're trying to be vulnerable and look, we're not blaming your ex-wife. Oh here. no, not at all. Is it ex-wife not. or wife? Yep. Ex. We're not blaming your ex-wife here. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, a lot of people don't understand it. And that's why September is so important. And that's why overcoming the stigma is so important is because people just don't understand yeah. it. But, but I can totally, man, my heart goes out to you, Kyle, because you're looking for advocacy and instead you got rejection. Yeah. That's gotta be super hard, super yeah. hard. So, so stay tuned. We got about 30 seconds here left. We're going to get back to Kyle and his story. We're also going to talk about the, you State of Utah's third-party notification. 
Uh, he brought this to my attention. I'm super excited to talk about it. I uh, would, however, I got to tell you guys in the last 30 seconds here, Sean's got the flyer that he's going to put up here. If you're in the Southern Utah area, oh, wrong one. It's the, the hiking one, Sean. If you, that's okay. Take her on down. If you are in the St. George area, every Friday morning at USARA, go there. Ben does a hiking thing where they go out and they go on a group through USARA. Get involved. It's an awesome thing. We'll be back after this 30-second message from our sponsor. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Yep, 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 yep. We're back for part two, episode 50. We got some comments up there. I really need to get my contacts in so that I can read them. I'm too proud to wear my glasses. Let's see. I see my mom. Saying hi, love you, mama. Let's see, we got good morning from South Africa. What's the name on that? It's uh, Brendan Vicker. Brendan Vicker. Good morning to you, buddy. And also we got, uh, is that Vanessa? Vanessa dropping some hearts. Thank you, Vanessa. Okay, so I also didn't mention my co-host, Dr. Sellers, is out in Las Vegas. He is Viva Las Vegas nice. in it up. Good for him. Yeah, having a good time. So episode 50 part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. If you guys are traveling through southern Utah, a cool place to stay. Pretty amazing amenities, right? The pool's pretty... It is fantastic. And the smell of the... Pl I talk about this every time, <laughs> but like the smell when you walk in is just like so clean and crisp and fresh. And I got to find out. I got to find out like what... You know what I mean? What, are the, what do they use? Because it's a pretty consistent smell. It's got to yeah. be some kind of air aromatizer. Yeah, some kind of essential oils. But I love it. Yep. I just sometimes go there, like, and just sit and read a book. And, nice. you know, like, that's actually a lie. But but <laughs> I would because it's super nice there. I love it. So if you're traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities, great staff. We love those guys. So let's get back to So right before we got a little... Cut off. I was trying to, uh, Sean's got the, the music that starts way too early. And, um, oh, hey, Sean. Oh, hey, do I get the hiking one? Is this yes. the one you're talking okay, about? Okay, okay. Right. So weekly recovery hike with you, Sarah. <laughs> All right, contact my buddy Ben at 9 o'clock. They go on a hike every single week. Listen, if you live in southern Utah and you haven't gotten out on some of these amazing hikes, you are not doing yourself a service, my friend. Okay, they are beautiful. We got Snow Canyon around. We got Zions around. A lot of gorgeous stuff. Get out there. Part of recovery is living an active life, a healthy life. You know, that's good for the bio, the physical, the psycho, right? The emotional. Uh, you can have a spiritual experience on it. And the social piece is you're hiking with other people. That hits all four pillars of recovery. Boom. There mic drop. I can like we it. get this mic to break so we can <laughs> drop it, Sean? We've already broken one mic today. Let's okay, just, let's right. leave it at one all mic. Right. I'm getting greedy at this point, I guess. I'm getting greedy at this point. So, okay. So basically, we we led up to the point, Kyle, where you know you you were trying to build some advocacy, some some support. You'd gone down, which I'm pretty impressed with, from 90 to 60, and then you kind of got the rejection from from your loved ones and people in your circles. And you use that rejection as kind of a way to yeah. to cope. Yeah. The addiction kicked in and is like, look, see, look, honesty is not the route. Don't do that. Yeah, honesty honesty is not the route. And um, which just which just goes to, you know, prove and indicate the how sick I was, right? That right. it that it used that as an excuse to justification justification go deeper so yeah i just kept the the secret deeper um and so that was in 2018 uh fast forward to 
uh, July 2019. I'm still getting that one prescription from my um, family doctor. And then I had a tooth issue, right? And it's funny because uh, my addiction uh, story kind of lines up perfectly with the uh, billboard uh, uh, marketing plan, right, of the Opidemic. And I remember just going down the freeway and um, seeing all these, uh, all the billboards of, of, uh, you know, uh, what the epidemic was and and the misuse and that stuff and one that was on 31st street in ogden uh was one that that resonated with me and it said that you know opiate addiction is not a moral failing and it was huge it was huge for me i want to get a shirt that says that and where every time this podcast airs yep like, that is my that is part of you know my why yeah you know what i mean but anyways i got a tooth uh, i got a toothache um the tooth ended up breaking up and so from september whoa september 2019 through uh september 2019 through december 2019 uh i went on a run to some different dentist uh offices and everything's great we just tighten this out. everything's super perfect everything's great fix 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 all right keep talking there you go um, so I, I visited Thank like, you, Sean. yeah, I visited, uh, six different, uh, dentist clinics within that six month period. Um, six, six. Yeah. You're hitting one a month. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that, that may be got drug seeking behavior, which yeah, we do. We all do. Exactly. Right. right? Like, yeah. yeah okay. no, of course it was. Yeah. Because we're anything. way too high class to go to a dealer. Exactly. Right? Until we yeah. get so desperate that we do, <laughs> unfortunately, cause that's the disease. It's true. Yep. That's, that's the progression of it. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, I got flagged by the state, uh, prescription monitoring, uh, system and January, uh, or February, 2020, I had a detective show up at my house. Oh, you yeah. talk about your heart falling through. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I, uh, had to sit down with him and, uh, ended up getting 13 charges filed against me. 13. Um, 13. Yep. Yeah, 13 what were charges. They? Uh, uh, trying to get a, I don't know the exact term, but it was uh, fraudulently trying to get a prescription from a, from a provider. That's controlled. Basically substance. doctor shopping. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah That's okay. what it was. Um, anyways, after all the due diligence was done and all that, 10 be, of the be charges honest, were Be dropped. honest. When you first got hit with all that, were you like, yeah, okay. Or were you like, no way. Man. <laughs> no, I was, I was completely honest with the, with the detective. And I was, I mean, I still tried to play it off. Like, no, I was in pain. I had my tooth hurt, you know, this dentist um, wouldn't refill. And I was just trying to, it was. But you were honest with them. At least you, you cop to it, right? Yeah. You, you were accountable for. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard not to be when it's in the black and white. And most pharmacies have a camera, unfortunately, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Correct. Uh, so anyways, uh, after due diligence was done, 10 of those charges got dropped and I am officially charged with three, um, misdemeanors on my, on my criminal record. Man, you, you guys these days, man. I, okay. I'm going to make this about me for a minute. I apologize. That's okay. Right. But whoo, back in my day, boy, you got caught with even a used needle and you caught a felony. Really? You know what I mean, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. it, and I, Hey, look, it, it, it reminds me. So next week we're going to talk about Oregon and ballot uh, 110 where, where they're looking to decriminalize me and dr sellers are going to chop it up about how that's going up there in oregon because yep. it's a uh i can't say sh i'll say shiz show okay. right yeah it's complete disaster but it so i mean i don't know you know i don't, you, I don't know the you, answer are you on board with the, the decriminalization not really because no. part of my journey was it, this isn't about me but part of my journey was i had to go to jail to get enough clear-headed time to gain from therapy. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So okay. I, I'm definitely against it. And we'll talk about that more next week, but, but yeah, just to bring up the point nowadays, it's not even a felony. It, that's, that's mind blowing yeah. to me. Yep. Uh, and maybe we, we might need to do another podcast, but I am actually on the other side of the table of Are you? where you're at. You're, you're about decriminalizing uh -huh. it. Yep. I am. Um, and back so back to your story though, back but to yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's get back to, let's for get back sure, to, sure. to my stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, got those, sorry, what was the question? Where were we at? So you, Help you me were, my... yeah, no, you're great. And that's my bad because I have the, you know, <laughs> I'm all over the place today. So, so you were talking about how you got all those charges. You got 10 of them dropped. You got three misdemeanors. Yep. So at that point, let me lead you into a question if that's okay. Yeah, of course. At that point, 
number one, we talked about the five stages of change, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance. What stage were you in at that point? Uh, when I, when the detective showed up? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, like, so were you still in denial that I you was. had a problem? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was in denial that I had a problem. I was in denial of uh, getting open and honest about it. Okay. Uh, because it wasn't until, it wasn't until a month later, because my wife, she didn't know that a detective had showed up. Like all of this was done in, like she had no idea. Mm. And so I'm, I'm very empathetic as far as like, that's a huge shock to know that that kind of stuff is happening without knowledge, right? Yeah. Knowledge. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, she actually asked me for a divorce, uh, in March, uh, 2020, where I was like, all right, hey, here's what's going on. This is uh, what's happening. And then I stepped into recovery. Uh, my first group meeting was uh, March 23rd, 2020. Bro, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's hard. It was tough. It's been tough. It's been a tough last year and a half. Uh, walking through walking through recovery, walking through the criminal system, um, walking through divorce, all tied with a bow of the COVID uh, stuff. It was... It was intense for sure. Yeah. So you're a product of treatment. You went to treatment. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Went to treatment. What did? Uh, so that was your rock bottom. Basically, was getting charged, the divorce. Uh huh. Right. Yep. Was there? We talk a lot of times about this concept of like a spiritual awakening or step two, coming to believe. Yeah. Was that prevalent for you? Can you share on any type of experience? Um. Yeah. So it's prevalent with me because what I've uh what I've gained over, over the last 18 months is recovery is an act of remembrance, right? Okay. Um, as far as spiritually thinking, um, and, or, or yeah, spiritually, yeah, spiritually speaking, uh, remembering who you are, remembering the value that you have inherently, and you're not just valuable for what you can or can't do. Uh, yeah, bro. For other people. What you're talking about right now is what I talk about all the time with my clients. Okay. There's your innate sense of self yep. and then there's your behaviors and the things that you're not proud of. And oftentimes we mistake our behaviors or the, the mistakes that we've made with who we are. Yep. Uh, and that's not true. Yep. We, we've got to pull that apart. Yeah. Everybody makes mistakes and everybody has an innate sense of self. Like you weren't born a bad person. Nobody was. No, yeah. Right. We make mistakes along the way, but we have to remember, like you said, and, and luckily for guys like us, we had a pretty good upbringing. Mm -hmm. We had a pretty stable home environment. And so to remember back to those things is a little easier. I feel like sometimes. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think even if you don't have those things, that remembrance is still possible. Right. And that remembrance of and getting that connection with your higher power, whatever that means to you, uh, is what brings on that remembrance mm. as far as, hey, yeah, I had a, I had a crappy upbringing or I had um, these things happen or that stuff happen, doesn't matter, right? Once you make that connection with that higher power, all of a sudden you start to remember and reconstruct and recover uh, that inherent value that you are born with. Dude, nail, you hit it right on the head. Yep. You hit the nail right on the head, man. I love that. I, I, I co-sign everything that you just said. Oh, good. 100% for sure. <laughs> so, okay. So, so you do the recovery thing, you go to treatment, right? Uh, so, so talk to me, how do you get through a divorce, man? And in, in early recovery, cause that's kind of what you had to experience, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. And, um, I had a really good therapist that really helped me to start getting clear on owning my actions, owning what I'm responsible for, uh, but not owning the reactions uh, of those around me, right? And Absolutely. making sure that that's a clear line. And while we can't control the consequences that we face, right? Uh, just because you have those consequences doesn't mean that the reactions of the other person are yours to own. Absolutely. The only thing we can control is ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was huge for me. And that was uh, something that I really struggled with, not only owning my own actions, but I was also carrying this weight and this burden of, oh, well, this person reacted this way towards me. That's my fault. Right. And I would, I would just blame myself and I dump truck myself and I would go down that shame cycle and that shame spiral. Um, 
But that principle and that knowledge of I don't have ownership of how other people react was huge for me. You touched on a piece that it's crazy, dude. I'm getting like goosebumps because literally this morning I did a group at residential at Steps Recovery Center and we talked about accountability. Yeah. And a really great question was brought up by one of the, the clients and they said, well, I don't want to shame myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting mixed signals here. And so you bring up a, a very valid point. There's a difference between taking accountability and saying, yeah, okay, I own that. Mm-hmm. I did those things versus I'm a terrible person because I did those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So See, these people are turning and running away from me. I must be the scum of the earth. Right. And that's right? the bully. That's the negative yeah, self-talk exactly. right yep. in our head. That's, I always talk about like you've seen Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Cool. So, so you got Schmeagle and you got Gollum, <laughs> right? And, and Schmeagle's this cute, nice little hobbit. And all he wants to do is fish and hang out with his friends and then the ring gets introduced, right? Which for us is substance abuse. Yeah. And then Gollum comes out. Oh yeah. And we constantly have Schmeagel and Gollum that follow us around and Schmeagel wants to do, and eventually, so in my idea, active addiction, Gollum is the one that's speaking predominantly, Yeah. right? Uh-huh. And then as we cross over into recovery, it's still Gollum most of the time that's talking to us and Schmeagel, but Schmeagel's starting to get louder. He's starting to oh, win yeah. the battle. And as yeah. long as you're listening to Schmeagel and you're holding on to your true innate sense of self, Oftentimes we make it. Yeah. And we tell Gollum to shut up. Yep. We put that bully in its place. Yep. And that's so what would that thing. look like for you. And so for me, so for me, uh, I took it one step farther uh, as well. And, and that's, and that was, you know, Gollum is a part of me, right? Yeah, somehow, acceptance. somehow that's a part of me. And so he's the product of some kind of unhealed trauma that that I am either consciously or subconsciously unaware of, right? Like, or that I don't want to face and I don't want to address. And so I, I take it one step farther of sitting down with Gollum and saying, Hey dude, what's going on, man? Like, what's like, what's this pain? Like, what is like, what, what is it that's, that's bothering you so much? And an analogy I, I use a lot is, um, like running around a track at a park. Yeah. Right. And, and as you pass this park bench, there's somebody sitting there and it's like a hooded figure. Right. And, and our natural, yep, our natural tendency is to either speed up as we, as we uh, run past that or, or kind of take a long route away. Yep. And what I've learned in recovery is no, actually I need to go sit by that person and I need to understand like, their experience. Kyle, you're amazing. What you're talking about right now is interpersonal work. That's what we talk about. You got to do the interpersonal work. You've got to face that bully. You, yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, all bullies, all bullies are the same. The only reason that they're, the only reason that they're there and they're doing the things that they are doing is because they are trying to mask some kind of pain um, or hurt that has occurred with them. Yeah. And, you know, sit down talk with them, have a conversation and learn the lesson. So you got the treatment, you got the help. You did the inpatient portion. No, I did. I was outpatient. Outpatient portion. What about, talk to me about the, the social aspect of, of recovery. Like what would you, a fellowship guy? Are you a logic recovery guy? Are you, uh, I'm whatever works for you guy. Right. I am. I, uh, I want to sit down and I want to talk with you about, uh, about what works for you. But yeah, I would say I'm more of a fellowship. So you've, you found a home in kind of a 12 step fellowship program. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. I like great. it. So fast forward, you're in recovery today. Yep. What is, I mean, you've already kind of shared a little bit about what life in recovery today looks like. It's Labor Day weekend. You're down here with your four kids, right? Doing the dad thing. Yep. It's awesome. I mean, I'm look, look, my wife's sitting over there in the corner, so I can say this like, uh, dude, I don't think you're going to be single for super long. Like <laughs> I, I don't, don't. <laughs> like you, you're an intelligent guy. You're a decent looking guy. You got your act together. You're a good dad. Anyway. So, so I have high hopes for you, Kyle. Okay. Well, I do. I, I have high that. hopes for you. Thank Ladies, you. he's single. <laughs> he's single. Okay. We'll drop his digits in the comment section. All right. So. Kyle. So talk to me. Do you mind if we check in with some people that have wrote? Do we have any new comments, Sean? No. 
Because some of them might be questions for you. Okay, what does Abe say? You want to get on the mic for me? Dude, the font is so big. Where are your I'm glasses? I'm telling you, I, I can't oh even see gosh. if that's a six Abe, or a five right now. Abe says, thanks for sharing your story. Sean says, love this. And Jody says, love. And Judy says, loving. Awesome. All great. All great support there. Perfect. If you guys have any questions for, for, for Kyle here, please feel free. Shoot them out. Okay, so life in recovery today. Yeah. What does that look like for you, Kyle? You're Sean. You're Kyle. You're Mandy. <laughs> I'm okay. I might need to UA after this. It's oh, fine. Oh man, Kyle, well, what does your life in recovery today look like? Uh, it's funny because uh, I really, I recently just went through a divorce trial, right? Where we have the judge and we're just talking about stuff, and the and the judge asked me, and you know, she said, "Hey, w so when are you going to be? When do you feel like you're going to be back to where, to where like you're okay?" Right. Yeah. And for me, it kind of felt like a little bit of a trick question. Um, that was a and, loaded question for sure. Right. And and uh, my life in recovery looks like this. Uh, I'm committed to recovery and showing up. Uh, I think anytime anybody tries to get you to guarantee or to um, pinpoint if you're recovered. Right. Uh, it's it's a trap door waiting to happen if you try to to walk down that path. I hear you. Yep. So, but yeah, recovery for me, life and recovery for me right now is, is, is hopefully getting, um, helping people out with my, with my experience, my story. Uh, you know, I was caught, I was caught when I stepped onto that path, um, early. Right. And that's the, good, the, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, whether, but I'm the same person as somebody that's traveled down it you know, that has miles down that, down yeah. that path or down that journey. We're, we're the same people. And so it doesn't matter. Like somebody who is homeless and exactly oh, strung out on heroin. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. exactly. I mean, it's the same path that we were on. It's just, we were on different uh, levels. And so I'm grateful that I caught, I got caught early. It, it saved, it saved a lot of heartache and a lot of um, trauma and those kind of things, but I'm no different. Right. And, and my goal is to, just help people to understand like you're worthy whether no matter what you're done no matter what where you're at like you are worthy of peace of happiness and joy and you always have been and you always you always will be right and so that's that's basically my my life in recovery now is trying to help uh, people understand that i love it man i love it speaking of helping people We've promised the listeners we're going to talk about this third Let's party, Utah's third party notification Great system. tool. So, yeah, talk to me. What is it like? We got about three and a half minutes here. Okay. What does that look like? How, how, is, how do they use it? What did it look like for you? Okay. So, yeah, the state of Utah, uh, the Department of uh, Professional Licensing, they uh, have the controlled substance database. And anytime a prescription, a controlled prescription is prescribed, it gets uh, monitored by this, by this system. A feature that people don't understand uh, or don't just know about is this third-party notification. And so when I when the world came down on me, um, I had, you know, I I, I asked a buddy of mine uh, if uh, he could help me out, and he's like, "Look, I want to support you any way that you can or that I can." I found out about the controlled substance database because that's what flagged me, and so I wanted to learn more about it. And then I found this third-party notification. And what it is is you can sign somebody up, a friend, a wife, a husband, a sibling, whoever, to where they will get an email uh, from the state of Utah uh, if you fill a controlled substance at a pharmacy, right? And and so it's it's basically a... It's basically a lantern that kind of lights up that that dark area. It's a piece of accountability. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's a piece yeah. of accountability and and helps to promote conversation, which for me is the number one thing in recovery is helping people to start to open up and talk about them. And it, sh it shines a light on, you know, uh, the whole instead of isolating, right? right, not telling anybody and being hush-hush in private because that's where our addiction breeds and it grows. Absolutely. Cool. So here's my question. Can somebody, so can you, can the person that you sign up go pick up the prescription for you and help you with medication management? Because that's what I got super excited about when I heard about the notification 
but I don't know if, if that's part of it. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, you can do that. I think you can ask anybody to do that if you want. Um, my, my biggest thing was I was the only person that knew about me getting a prescription. And so I needed to bring somebody else in, um, to know that I was uh, getting prescription and I wanted it to be automatic and not just relied upon me to say, call him and say, look, dude, I got a prescription. Um, but as far as the medication management, I think, yeah, if that you want to take it that next step, um, I think that's just more of a personal conversation between you and that person, right? I don't think uh, the state of Utah has that set up yet. Um, it might be a, it might be a way that they can do it. Well, and the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of people who have like opiate, you know, dependence or uh, sorry, a history of opiate abuse, the fear is if I go have surgery, I don't want to get strung back out on these things. Yep. So for example, like, like I could have my wife, Mandy go pick it up, keep it with her in a place. I don't know where it's at. Right. And she take do, it until she I need it, it. And then it's, yeah, she, she gives me the amount. And then eventually when I can switch over to Tylenol or ibuprofen, boom. Right. And I stay yep. safe. Yeah. I stay safe. No, I think that's a huge, I think that's a huge, uh, strategy to, to use, you know, and it shows identification of, of that you understand, um, you know, the pitfalls or the trap doors that you might fall through. Would you do me a favor? Will you, after this, will you go back to it and just post in a comment, the link. So people who are interested can yep. go and check it out and read about it. Um, and I also know you, you know, where the form is and everything like you're the guy yep. when it comes to this, that's yep. awesome. So Kyle, we're wrapping up here. Just, I want to say thank you so much. Okay. Like I genuinely appreciate you coming down here, man. Hopefully you had a good time. No, it was great. Thank you. Appreciate awesome. It. Awesome. Join us next week on we do recover with Jared Miller. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.